On your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 29th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, we catch up with Coastal Titans vice-captain and Fremantle best and fairest, Dana Hooker. Swan District women's coach, Nicole Graves. Plus our State League's wrap with Lauren Hodgson, Matthew Cox, Alison Schiller and Aaron Russell. That's all coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. <laughs> I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 29th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017. And a reminder, you can listen to this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings from about 6pm on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne. You may have noticed that our podcast has gone up a little later than usual, but this is allowing us to give you some more news on the AFL International Cup as of Friday evening, the 18th of August. We can, of course, announce that Valerie Moreau from the Canada Northern Lights and, of course, originally had the Montreal Angels and the uh, Eastern Devils in the VFLW competition. She was awarded the best women's player for the tournament. Congratulations to Valerie. She'll be, of course, playing in the grand final between the Canada Northern Lights and Irish Banshees Saturday, 19th of August, 4.30pm at Etihad Stadium in Docklands. That game being live stream on YouTube. Just search for AFL International Cup. The minor placings were the GB Swans finishing third, USA Freedom fourth, Fiji Venu fifth, PNG Flames sixth, European Crusaders 7th and Pakistan finishing 8th. A quick note as well about our girlsplayfooty.com match of the day on RSN Carnival. Uh, you might hear later on the podcast that we talk about it being in the afternoon. It's actually been moved earlier. The game uh, was moved forward three hours by AFL Victoria. It will now be an 11am bounce down. So on Sunday morning on RSN Carnival Digital Radio we'll go to air at 10am with a one hour pregame show. Bounce down at 11 coverage right through to 1.30pm. Join us Sunday morning for VUS Spurs versus St Kilda Sharks at Henry Turner Memorial Reserve in Footscray. That game, fourth versus six, it's going to be a cracker and has big finals implications. Talking about entertaining games, the WAWFL Grand Final is on this Sunday where old rivals, the Coastal Titans and Swan Districts meet at Medibank Stadium. The game will be live-streamed via the WAWFL website for those that do want to check it out. Let's talk to those that will be taking part in this big occasion this Sunday. First of all, we've got on the line the vice-captain of the Coastal Titans team. She is also the Fremantle best and fairest. It's great to have Dana Hooker on the line. Dana, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad at all. How does it feel just days away from yet another grand final? Yeah, very excited. It's always my favourite time of year when grand finals comes around if, if you're lucky enough to make it. And fortunately, fortunately this year we put ourselves in a really good position. And um, yeah, so I can't wait to play this, this Saturday. And we've got the home ground advantage as well. Let's flash back 12 months, shall we? Um, a big day, I guess, in the history of the Coastal Titans for not all the right reasons. It was a semi-final against the side that you'll be playing against on Sunday, Swan Districts. Bad luck struck twice. You lost Kiara Bowers and Renee Forth, both superstars, both marquees to knee injuries. And then the following week, you went out in straight sets against East Fremantle. Since that day, has there been something, I guess, bubbling in the gut of the players, something like it wasn't meant to end like this and redemption is this year? Yeah, it was definitely really disappointing and upsetting for, for those two girls in the club in general to lose those players at such a pivotal time in the year in that final. Um, but yeah, look, we're always a very hungry team to win and, and go out quite hard. And I think that, that fire burning inside to win and win the premiership is always there every year, regardless of the circumstances. 
um, this year in particular, this is actually the last year that the Coastal Titans will be. Uh, next year we merge with Subiaco and we will then be Subiaco Footy Club. Um, so I guess this year it's almost more important than anything to try and get that premiership and finish on that real hard for, for the name of the club and everything it's brought to all of us in general. Is there going to be a few tears after the game when you consider that and win, lose or draw that this is the last time you'll be pulling on that famous uh, white, uh, blue and yellow jumper? Yeah, definitely. I think um, we kind of had a bit of a moment like that a couple of weeks ago when we played our last ever home game um, as Titans down at Grenville Reserve. Um, but I think it's kind of a bittersweet moment. It's been coming for a little while. We've got a close association with uh, Subiaco Footy Club, and so we knew it was in the pipeline for a little while, and it's just next year it's actually going to happen. It's been one heck of a story, hasn't it, for the Titans, barring last year when you had those injuries. You virtually played in every grand final since you were created as a club. Yeah, yeah, we've been very fortunate to have great depth within our team and, and a great bunch of girls that come along every year to play, and... Um, We've got great club culture at Titans and um, I think that's what's probably led us to our success over the years is just trying to keep up a really good club culture and maintain that as we get new people coming through. Now, as we mentioned that uh, obviously Bowers and Forth didn't play this year through the respective injuries and Forth had moved anyway to uh, Sydney to play with the GWS. Emma King, of course, was a champion ruck for you, moved to Melbourne to play for Collingwood. What's it been like trying to replace those players? You can't replace them as people, but trying to replace that talent. Who's stepped up in your point of view over the last few months to try and help carry that load? Yeah, definitely um, Lizzie King is our, one of our main ruckmen. That's been a bit tricky, but we've had Josie White who's come back in there. She's a long-time player at the Coast of Titans, and she played a bit last season, but was a bit here and there. Um, but she's come back into team this season and had a brilliant season, and she's been by far the most dominant ruck in the WAWFL. So that's been huge in helping fill that position for Kingy. In terms of um, Turbo and Renee, obviously we miss them sorely. We've been quite fortunate with our midfield group that we've had a few girls step up. We've had Lara Filatamo. She's been great when she did play the season. Unfortunately, she went down with an ankle injury fairly early on in the season. Um, but we've had um, Lauren Sammons, who's always played the centre for us, and Hayley Miller stepped up smooth sort of off that half-back line into the midfield, and I've played a fair bit in there too. So we've done our best to fill that void without two really strong key players, and... Uh, we can't wait to get them back here next season and, and Renee will just have to wait to see when she's moving back to Perth. And as well, you managed to get back a footballer who'd missed a bit of action over the last three or four years due to just bad luck through injury. Uh, also a friend of yours, a teammate at the Fremantle Football Club, Tia Haynes. Yeah, Tia, she's just had the absolute worst run, run and she's been possibly the most injury-prone person I've come across in a little while, the poor thing. But she's just as strong as anything and she's done herself really proud. She brought herself back from her uh, knee recon and she played what great footy back at Freer when she did play. Unfortunately, she went down with that injury, but last week we saw her um, step back into it again and she played her first game back since that since her um, shoulder surgery, and um, she was just brilliant on the weekend for us. So it's just exciting to see what's going to happen with her over the coming weeks and next season at Fremantle when she's in, uh, yeah, in full speed. Well, for the Coastal Titans in your old first one district, you met in the major semi-final. You came away five-point winners. You actually fairly dominated at half-time. Then they put the brakes on. You didn't score another goal after half-time. What lessons have you taken out of that game? What have you learnt from that you've got to improve being at the big dance this Sunday? 
definitely. That game had two very different halves of footy. The first half, we were fairly dominant and, you know, we were quite fortunate to keep the ball down our forward half for a lot of that first half. And, um, yeah, we couldn't really step a foot wrong in that first half. And then after half time, they had obviously flicked the switch and start, started playing some better defensive football on us and had actually turned the game around and come the fourth quarter really had a lot of the momentum. So that was quite tricky for us. I think what we just need to um, go away and what we've done over the last week and this week as well is just learning about maintaining our composure when the momentum in the game swings that little bit and what it is that we need to do is try and slow the game and then get that control back again. Looking at your opponent's Swan Districts, quite a few star players in there. Needless we say, the Fremantle captain in, uh, in Juddy, Cara Donnellan, Ebony and Antonio, Susan Chowd in there as well. Who are some of the key players that you think you've got to try and put a lap down on to make sure that the Swans don't get up and about? Yeah, definitely Juddy. We know that she's such a quality ball winner um, and she disposes of the ball really well. So we want to try and shut her down. Um, Kelly Gibson, she's been great for them the last few weeks and she sort of steps up at those key moments in the game and while I think caught through a really important goal so we've got to try and shut her down and Steph Kane, she um, played with us at Fremantle last season and she's come back after being serious to buy three and just stepped up and playing a whole different realm of football so over the past few weeks what we've seen of um, Bond District, she's been their best player so we'll be definitely looking to pop someone on her and pay a little bit more attention to her come the grand final. Personally yourself, have you noticed a lift in standard in the WAWFL? I'm not talking about the clubs that you've obviously played against, uh, Swan Districts, for example, and East Fremantle, which you've had rivalries against, but sides like Claremont, who made the finals this year, and uh, West Perth, for example, have come into the competition. Have you noticed uh, their standard lift and more competitive matches for yourselves, the Titans? Yeah, most definitely. Claremont in particular, they've been the standout team and they really, they put it to us um, towards the end of the season when we played them and they were very competitive and completely different sides to what we've seen from previous years and I think that just comes down to, they've got a really great coach that they've brought on for this season and they've been working really hard and they've started to develop some really great club culture there and that's going to take the place of their young emerging talent that they've really got now. So they've been great and West Perth have definitely stepped up a little bit since I've been previously. And just one last one before we let you go, Dana. We've seen in the uh, VFL women's competition here in Victoria, uh, bigger crowds come to the game where maybe 50 people would watch a match. There's anywhere up to 400 at, at some games. We've also noticed also some AFLW fans that stick around near the change rooms afterwards to try and get some autographs. Have you noticed that change at the WAWFL? Have you noticed some slightly bigger crowds and even the odd Fremantle autograph hunter? Yeah, we do get that a little bit. Um not quite the same scale as what you're saying over at the VSL, but we do get a lot of the younger girls that are playing in the lower grades that will hang around and want to watch the senior teams play, and, and they'll hang around and try and get our autographs after the game and, and get a photo or two like that. So a little bit different to what we've previously had, but, yeah, not not the same scale as what you were talking about in, over in the uh, east. Well, either way, we do hope for a very big crowd at Medibank Stadium to watch the grand final this Sunday when you take on Swan Districts for the very last time as the Coastal Titans in the WAWFL. Donna, thank you very much for joining us on The Hind and best of luck Sunday.
Not a problem. Thanks very much, Peter. From the Coastal Titans, now to their opponents, Swan Districts, one of their great rivals. They met in the major semi-final, as you heard. Swan Districts had to go around the long way, beating East Fremantle in the preliminary final. And we've got on the line now the coach of the Swan Districts Women's League team in Nicole Graves. Nicole, thanks for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. How are you? Yeah, very well. Relieved now. Yes, relieved is the word. Uh, two tough games to get through the final series. Let's take a step back uh, two weeks. You got off to a bit of a sluggish start against the Coastal Titans. You came home with a wet sail, just fell short of getting the chocolates. Yeah, it was one of those games, wasn't it? We, uh, you know, obviously had a fairly big season. It's been a massive season in women's footy over here, and and you know certainly our you know our nemesis uh, Coastal Titans were. Certainly on really early in the game, and yeah, it took a little while to just just to switch on and settle. You know, a bit of a I think a bit of nerves and using the footy a little bit better in the you know in the first half would have been handy. So yeah, but it was nice, obviously. You know, have that second half without them. You know, scoring a goal was handy, and just coming into you know obviously the game just this weekend gone sort of gave us some confidence that uh, you know we're on the right, on the move at least the right way by the end of that first semi. Yeah, you had a bit of a tough uh, preliminary final against East Fremantle, a bit similar to the grand final last year when you beat them. You know, you couldn't quite shake them off. Uh, do you prefer actually coming into the grand final with that, uh, I guess, hardened run and being match ready, or would you probably have preferred the, the week off? Oh, listen, the top three teams over here are really closely matched. So those, you know, to play, obviously, those two teams around us in the first two wasn't, you know, probably ideal, but in saying that, you know, it also supports, you know, giving players opportunities to keep playing footy and, you know, with AFLW season and so many of our girls having those commitments, many of them have sort of only sort of got back into footy the last sort of six or eight weeks. So I guess, you know, I can panic about, you know, how much energy it took us to play in the extra game coming into this week's grand final. But I think, um, you know, the girls have played a lot of footy and, you know, another game's not going to certainly hurt and certainly the confidence again. Um, you know, beating East after losing to them by, you know, a couple of points in the round games just coming into finals was actually a nice, um, you know, a nice relief as well. So everything's positive. Of course, you've got plenty of superstars in your side, no more so than, of course, uh, the captain in uh, Jody Caradonal and Ebony Antonio throwing their Susan Chowd as well and, and many others. Who do you feel, though, from the players that have stepped up this year, that have come through from either reserve grade or coming new to the side as part of the influx of the new players into WA women's footy that have really impressed you and, and you feel could maybe take that step on grand final day? Yeah, listen, we've had an interesting, um, you know, uh, season with, uh, you know, many of our players coming from coming off um, duties with Frio and Frio not having probably the most positive year that they would have liked to. So a lot of the girls, you know, were pretty keen to get back into club footy and just, you know, uh, remember what it was like to, you know, get around, I guess, teammates they played with a long time. So, you know, some of our senior players, as you pointed out, um, you know, Caradon, uh, Ebony Antonia, Tay Angel, you know, Ashley Sharp have been really consistent um this year, but you know, we've also picked up, you know, a couple of new players. I mean, Steph Kane played AFLW, but has had a stellar club season. And listen, it's only a second year of footy. So, you know, we remember, we forget, well, we well, certainly remember, but, you know, forget that these AFL, many of these AFL girls are in their first or second seasons of, of footy. And, and so, yeah, their development with another 15 games has been really important to them. And yeah, and we've also obviously had a bit of an influx of new players. So we've been able to sneak a couple of uh, decent cricketers um, over. So, you know, um, Chloe Paparo is, would certainly be on an AFLW radar now. 
Um, you know, Alicia Jans, who obviously played at Freo in those couple of games, she's had a, a really fantastic year. Again, another 10 games under her belt um, and working with, I guess, you know, half the midfield of Freo at Clubland is certainly helpful for her development. So, yeah, so everyone's... You know, I've been really pleased with the players that have come back from AFLW and, you know, committed to their club footy, but also helping those new players. A star-studded opponent that you're up against in the Coastal Titans uh, featuring uh, the WAWFL uh, best and fairest in Jody White. You've obviously got the uh, Fremantle best and fairest in uh, Dana Hooker that's there. You throw in the Amy Spitz, you throw in uh, the Hayley Millers uh, and so on and so on. How do you think you're going to be able to shut down the Coastal Titans to make sure that they don't get away from you and you manage to get over the top and claim the cup? Yeah, it was one of those interesting things because I think everyone highlights you know, the AFL W players, but at the end of the day, you know, these two teams have you know, played off in the last few grand finals uh, against one another, and they're all, you know, they're all senior players of our club, so the, the names that you're reeling off at the Coastal Titans, you know, our girls have played, you know, in all those grand finals, you know, against winning some and losing some, so, you know, for us, it's, you know, at that club level, it's really the old rivalry going, you know, it's, I guess it's amusing segue that it's almost an intra- club, you know, Frio AFLW game uh, come grand final day with all those players. So there's probably, you know, the, you know, near 20 AFLW players in the grand final. So it'll be an interesting thing. But, yeah, there's not a lot of new, if you know what I mean. They've all played against each other and with each other through state AFLW and, you know, against each other at club for a few years. So that's probably, you know, not, not a factor that comes into us you know, into our thinking that, oh, how are we going to stop all these megastars? You know, that's been... I've been trying to stop all those megastars for a few years. So, yeah, so nothing's really changed there, Peter. You know, it's just as we go about the seasons. And, and as AFLW evolves, you know, those things will change. But, yeah, we're certainly, you know, ready for the challenge. And as we spoke to Dana Hooker, uh, also on the podcast, uh, we talked about the, the hype around uh, WAWFL flowing on from uh, AFLW. Of course, we've talked about the team list, how that built up. Um, how many extra supporters you th- have you thought it's brought along to some of these league games that you've been playing? And how much bigger crowd do you anticipate for the grand final this Sunday? Yeah, it's been pretty uh, interesting. You know, we've got a, a really good club following, um, you know, and, and certainly, you know, we've created our little bit of our own WA history. Swan District has got, you know, the first team to have all three grades in the grand final on Sunday. So, you know, our under-18s, our reserves and our seniors will line up. So it shows you the depth, um, you know, that's sort of coming through that environment for us. And, and really it's going to be, you know, a massive day with lots of things to think about, certainly for all of us. And, Nicole, just one last one before we let you go on another matter. Uh, AFLW Origins on uh, Saturday, September 2nd. Where do your loyalties lie, the Allies or the Victorians? Yeah, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? I've, you know, obviously my relationship with, with Cara Donnellan has been one of, you know, met her in Victoria. She moved to WA. We worked together. You know, she's my club captain. You know, now she's going back over to play for Victoria, and yet we you know, um, played and coached together as Western Australians and obviously been over here. So it's a bit of a mixed bag, really. You know, I've got really good, uh, you know, relationships and, and coaching relationships with so many of the players of both of those teams. You know, oh, I'll tell you, it'd be difficult. Um, you know, I guess, you know, having coached WA over here for a few years, I sort of got all the anti-Vic thing, trying to knock them off for all those years. And, and obviously with Michelle Cowan did a couple of years ago, Oh, listen, I'd have to probably stick with 
Victoria, which probably means I may never get another coaching gig over here, but that's okay. So, yeah, I'd stick with the Vic, but I reckon it's going to be an absolute ripper game and really looking forward to watching those really good players play and even the young kids that are going to play in the pre-match. You know, I think that game will be fantastic for us as, you know, footy lovers and coaches to watch that new talent come through as well. Well, Nicole, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and we wish you all the very best this Sunday at Medibank Stadium as you take on the Coastal Titans for the WAWFL League Premiership. Thank you and we appreciate your support. Time to switch now to have a look at the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. I've got on the line our league caller from RSN Carnival in Matthew Cox. Coxie, thanks very much for joining us on the line and uh, a rather intriguing round 12 of VFL Women's Footy action. It was an interesting round of football. I think most results went the way we thought. There was one that was a little bit closer than uh, than we predicted, but apart from that, uh, all normal. Well, let's have a look at the game that we called on Saturday as part of our match of the round. St Mary's Oval outside Simmons Stadium. Uh, it was a big third quarter that capped it off for Geelong, 6-5-41 to the VU Western Spurs, a disappointing one three nine. Yeah, the Geelong, it was a period of about five minutes where I think they got three goals very, very quickly. Kate Harvey and Andy Boyd setting up. They, they were sensational in that third quarter, and that's what really got Geelong over the line. We were waiting for someone to stand up and, and take the game by the scruff of the neck. Windy conditions certainly didn't help either side, but it was just, you felt like something was going to burst, and eventually it went the way of the Cats. They Kicked five goals in the third term uh, to no score from the Spurs, and then that just really made uh, the VU Western Spurs very flat from that point onwards. They just couldn't get into the game. They they didn't look uh, as lively as what they had in the the first half, and, and Geelong were just able to to hit cruise control, and and they added a to their score in the final term. So it was a good performance by then, uh, as we said, Matty Boyd. And Kate Darby were the one amongst the best for Geelong. So too Lily Mithen uh, had another pivotal game right around the ground um, and keeps their finals hopes alive, importantly. Let's turn ahead to Sunday and uh, Melbourne Uni 13-7-85 in cruise control against Cranbourne 2-3-15. Yeah, expected result here for Melbourne University. It was, um, it was going to be tough for Cranbourne. Again, we spoke a lot in 2017, and I don't think there's too much more to add. Uh, at least they got on the scoreboard. That's the the positive thing. They uh, kicked uh, one goal, one in the first half, and then uh, added uh, another goal and two behinds in the second half. So minor consolation there for them. Melbourne Uni, on the other hand, we have spoken in recent weeks how they've had to get back into some form after a poor middle stint to the season. And good to see that Moana Hope kicked three goals to find some form heading into finals for the Muggers. But they look like, at the moment, even though they haven't faced anyone too dangerous as yet, uh, it looks like that they have found some form at the right time of the year, the Muggers. The St Kilda Sharks be worried with their performance. They're the side that's sitting fourth and probably looking the shakiest. They're four two twenty six going down to Darabin fourteen four eighty eight. Yeah, this was a smashing, wasn't it? Uh, I, I thought the Falcons would win comfortably, but not by uh, the margin that it ended up being. Uh, the, the disappointing result you'd have to think for the St Kilda Sharks only getting four goals on the board. Darabin, uh, well, you have a look at the goal kickers list, and it's led by. Katie Brennan, who kicked seven goals.
Falls and was named among the best players for the Falcons. The usuals were there as well. Paxman, Higgy, Arnell, Marinoff, O'Day, uh, all amongst the best players for the Falcons. But, uh, yeah, disappointing result for the Sharks. And it does have uh, qu- quite big implications when you look in terms of percentage. I think that's the, the biggest thing as we head into the last couple of rounds to, to keep an eye on over the coming weeks. Which side loses by the greatest margin is going to impact uh, how these final few rounds play out. Of course, if St Kilda don't win this weekend. Let's have a look at Diamond Creek and Box Hill, a game that caught us all by surprise. The Creek is 9-4-58, just getting over the line against Box Hill, 8-3-51. Did not expect this, did not expect it at all. I know Box Hill has been improving uh, over the last couple of weeks and have got two wins in the last month, um, but we're not expecting them, especially at Plenty War Memorial Park. That is the the ground that the Creekers love, and they don't usually give uh, their opposition a chance. But uh, just goes to show how uh, how so much football is played in between the years. Because uh, Diamond Creek probably thought, oh yeah, this is just going to be a walk in a park, a bit of a training drill, we'll straighten a few things up after the loss to Darabin the week before, and uh, Box Hills come out firing. Um, Really brought it back in the second half too, which uh, looking at the score scorecard, they kicked uh, three one in the, the third term, and then another three two in the set, in the fourth term. So it was really that last quarter that uh, brought them back into it. And I think uh, going off the uh, scorecard, they might have been level at one point. Is that correct? Yeah, it was a confusing scorecard. I think around half time, but um, some scores were added or not added during half time. It was a very confusing uh, system they've got on there. So either someone's made an error, but I know at least at one stage during the game was a goal within the difference in I think the third quarter. So, uh, so uh, Box Hill certainly gave uh, the Crickers a run for their money. Yeah, and uh, on the Crickers side of things, Chloe Malloy uh, still stands up at the top of the goal kickers list, uh, adding another two goals to uh, her score on the weekend. And finally, Seaford 4-6-30 went down to the Eastern Devils, 15-7-97. The Devils starting to put a little more respectability in the win-loss column. Yeah, trying to to get something out of 2017. Again, they're another side that we've spoken a little bit about. Um, They've had a very disappointing year. Um, Interesting to note that the goal kickers, Meg Hutchins, kicked four. It's a bit of a surprise uh, coming from the the number one defender of uh, women's football. Um, She's uh, moved up the ground. Uh, Might might have been, uh, could have been a full forward by the looks of things. She used Uh, to be in years gone by. Well, there you go. They should have made the switch earlier. They might have been in finals contention. Um, But, uh, yeah, as we said, uh, it's good to see that they're getting a few wins in the the column towards the back half of the year. That's how they want to finish and try and get something going into 2018 for Seaford. It's a little more of a respectable result. They kicked four goals, six. uh, That's an improvement on some of the performances that they've put out in 2017. Let's have a look at the games for this round, the second last round of the season, round 13. Box Hill City Oval, 2pm. The Box Hill Hawks host Melbourne University. Did Box Hill a chance here um, on their home deck against the Muggers that's had a couple of easy weeks after their performance against Diamond Creek? Who knows? You'd think the Muggers get over the line quite comfortably and 
honestly, they they have to if they still consider consider themselves one of the premiership contenders in 2017. They have to wipe Box Hill off the park, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, Seaford thought they had a tough game against the Eastern Devils. It gets harder this week. RF Bowls Reserve, 2 p.m. Saturday. Seaford host Darabin. Yeah, um, yeah, you might want to stay in bed that day uh, for the Tigerettes. Unfortunately, Darabin, they're up and about. They're on fire. Nothing's going to stop them at the moment. And unfortunately, uh, the Seaford Tigerettes are the next on that list. Again, I think the, the consolation for the Tigerettes is if they can get a few goals on the board, then I think that's respectable. They have to be able to score. An intriguing game Sunday, 1pm at Deakin University. This is the first of a doubleheader between these two teams because due to the quirk of the draw, they face each other again the following week. Geelong hosts the Eastern Devils. The door is just slightly ajar now for the catch to make the finals if things go their way. Yeah, everything has to go right from here on in for the Cats. They've got two opportunities against the Eastern Devils, their last home game for the season. Given their performance on the weekend and just the, the atmosphere in the rooms after the game as, as well, they're, they're very happy at the moment. There's a lot of joy in the Cats' rooms. They're enjoying their football. They're getting success, which, which is very important. I reckon they're going to win this game against the Devils. There's more on the line for the Cats to play for, so they're going to be hungry and then after it harder. And then they've just got to hope that other results fall their way. Cranbourne host Diamond Creek, 2pm at Frankenholmes Oval Sunday. Yeah, Diamond Creek uh, need, a, need a comprehensive victory after the scare they received at Plenty War Memorial Park. I don't think uh, Scotty Gowans is going to be too happy with uh, that result. So uh, watch for Diamond Creek to come out and go whack. 2pm Sunday, Henry Turner Memorial Reserve in Footscray. Our RSN Carnival match of the round. VU Western Spurs and St Kilda. Mathematically, it is still possible for the Spurs to make the finals. They need to win this one and then beat Darabin, which though is unlikely. The St Kilda Sharks, they win and they're in because they should account for Cranbourne the following week. They lose against the Spurs and they're on thin ice with the Cats right up their backside. Yeah, and that's where the percentage factor comes into it too. So the, the loss against Darabin the week before... Um, but the margin, I think, is more significant than the loss for the Sharks. So it's a real, as you say, it's a, it's a toss of the coin for me. I think the Sharks, their last couple of performances, uh, obviously the last weekend's game against Darabin would be very disappointing. Um, a couple of weeks ago against Diamond Creek, they had opportunities that they missed and had opportunities to win the game. Um, you don't hope that that happens again tomorrow. For the VU Western Spurs, they need to find something because they weren't in it in the second half on the weekend. They switched off. They went home. Um, so they, they've got to bring something to the table. They're on their home ground. I don't think that's going to make too much of a, a difference against the Sharks. They've just got to play footy. They've got to play aggressive footy, attacking footy, and got to show that they actually want to be a part of finals now. Um, it's a slim opportunity or a slim chance. But they've got to do everything in their power to make it. And I think the Sharks, on the other hand, will be trying to shore up uh, their top four spot as well. So this is going to be a, a cracking game. I'm going to say the Sharks, but I reckon it could be under a goal. Well, Coxie, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival. We look forward to catching up with you on Sunday as we call our match of the round, the Spurs versus the Sharks. 
Yeah, big implications on the 2017 season. Looking forward to joining you then. Time to continue our State Leagues wrap and to find out what's happening in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division, I've got on the line Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, pretty good, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. We look ahead to round 16. We look at the first game. And to be fair, for one of the sides, they've had a couple of their stars missing because they're playing at the moment for the Irish Banshees in the AFL International Cup. That's the UTS Shamrocks. And it showed they didn't get on the scoreboard against the Sydney Inter Bombers, 16-10-106. Yeah, look, it was a massive win to the Bombers in the uh, in the second last game of the season. Um, and as you mentioned there, Shamrocks had a few plays out in the International Cup. Uh, look, with five goals in each of the first two quarters, the Bombers really had the game sewn up by half time. And, and as you mentioned, you know, unfortunately, the Shamrocks never really got a chance to threaten the scoreboard. Uh, such was the Bombers' dominance. Uh, Steph Walker finished with three goals for the Bombers, whilst Christy Sutcliffe was named their best. Let's have a look at the Southern Power Newtown Breakaways game. It was a thriller, just four points in it. It went the Breakaways way. Yeah, look, Power 27 to Newtown 31. It was another close game between these two sides and uh, saw the breakaways get the win. And uh, also their second win at Gawley Oval uh, this season after the Power uh, won the first game of the year. Uh, Cody Briggs was strung up forward for the breakaways, kicking three of their four goals, whilst Power's goals all came from individuals. And Holy Toledo's the reigning premiers got knocked off. Macquarie University, 6-4-40, defeating the Stingrays, 1-8-14. Yeah, look, I think it'd, it'd definitely be fair to say this is the uh, update of, of the season uh, occurred in, in a game with MacUni inflicting uh, the Stingrays' second defeat of the year. Uh, Laura Russell and Emma Swanson kicked two goals each for the Warriors, whilst Amanda Ferruccia was named their best player. Uh, look, it was really a great team effort by the Warriors and uh, definitely shakes up predictions for the finals and is going to have uh, both contenders, the Stingrays and Bombers, uh, wary of the Warriors if they face up against them in the next month. And in the Battle of the West, the Western Wolves 1-4-10 went down to Auburn Penrith Giants 8-8-56. Yeah, look, another solid win for the Giants who are looking forward to their first final series in Premier Division. Uh, they've had a really, really good season. Uh, their first full season as a combined outfit between Auburn and, Auburn and Penrith. Uh, look, Jacqueline Gay was again strong up forward for the Giants, uh, whilst Melissa Freckleton kicked the Wolves' only goal for the day. We look ahead to round 17. It's the final round before we hit finals. Uh, Saturday, 19th of August at 11am at Mahoney Park. The Breakaways host the Western Wolves. Yeah, look, I think that, um, you know, be a really interesting game. Obviously, the Wolves will be looking to finish on a, a strong note and notch up only their second win of, win of the season. Uh, but, you know, Newtown coming off a, uh, a good win uh, against the Power on the weekend. Uh, I think they'll be good enough to get uh, the win over the Wolves on Saturday. 2pm Saturday afternoon at Sydney Uni Oval number one. Uh, the Bombers host the Auburn Penrith Giants. Yeah, uh, look, this will be a game between, obviously, two teams that are going to play uh, finals. Uh, I think the Bombers will, will get the win here, um, but I think it'll be uh, closer than their previous encounters. As we've mentioned, sort of most weeks, the Giants are ever improving. But, uh, yeah, I think the Bombers will get the win in this one. Sunday, 20th of August at 9am at Uni Oval, Macquarie University hosts UTS Shamrocks. 
Look, obviously, Mac Uni are uh, in form. Um, they've had a, a good year, especially the second half of the season, and I think they're going to uh, continue that and uh, and have a good win over the Shamrocks. At 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, the UNSW Eastern Suburb Stingrays host the Southern Power. Yeah, look, obviously uh, the Stingrays uh, will be smarting from their loss against the Warriors and they'll be looking to uh, finish the regular season strong and uh, I think they'll have a, a big win over the Power there who are probably, uh, you know, looking forward to the season ending now after a tough second half of the season. Well, Lauren, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and we look forward to catching up with you next week when we start previewing the finals. Yeah, can't wait for it, Pete. It should be a really good final series and uh, looking forward to watching the games and uh, also seeing how the season finishes us off uh, on the weekend. Let's have a look now at the AFL Canberra Women's Division. It was the final round over the weekend. We're in round 18. The ANU Griffins won straight six. Well, no match with the Balconnor Magpies, 18-14-122. Malungalo Juggernauts, one straight six. Went down the Gungahlin Jets, 16-18-114. Quimbian Tigers, 3-8-26. Defeated by Riverine Alliance, 5-10-40. Kutamundra Blues, 3-5-23. Defeated by Tugranong Hawks, 8-9-57. And Ainsley Tricolors, 2-4. 16 went down to the Eastlake Demons 13 12 90. It is elimination final action as part of a top six in Canberra this weekend. Uh, getting underway Saturday, 19th of August at 9.45 a.m. at Sterling 101. It's the third versus sixth playoff where Balcona Magpies host the Riverina Lions. On Sunday, 20th of August at 9.45 a.m. at South Oval, it's the fourth versus fifth playoff and the Quimbian Tigers host the Ainsley Tri Colours. Time to find out what's happening now. Now in the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1, and I've got on the line from the Two Crows podcast, Alison Schiller. Ali, how are you? Absolutely fantastic, Peter. Yourself? Normally good, except when your Crows beat my Bombers. So let's not talk about that, and let's oh, move sorry, straight mate. on. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, had I known that, I probably would have had some other material prepared. So, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not into picking on other teams. I'm just happy for the win. That, that's okay. I've just been replaying over the 93 preliminary final. Uh, let's exactly. have a look. <laughs> let's have a look at the final round of the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1. And it was the last game of the year for Port Adelaide and one they'd like to forget. They only got one point on the board, went down to West oh. Adelaide 6 8 44. Yeah, Port Adelaide were actually without their senior coach for the game too, so they might have had a little bit of a hand in it. But the Westies, um, obviously getting ready for some finals action. Uh, but it was a low-scoring affair um, with only one single major up at quarter time. So, And then after that, uh, Westies kept the scoreboard ticking over and Rhee Metcalf has been back from the holidays in Greece and she was dominating the game. Uh, for the Port Adelaide side, uh, they kicked their point in the second quarter um, that's all she wrote there. So, uh, but Bakara Palmer, the rookie for the Crows, is actually, from being new to the sport, um, feedback from the coaches that she's come along quite nicely and for such a polite and lovely young lady is absolutely a fierce tackler. So, and she's growing quickly within her role and in fact gets named in the best for Port Adelaide as well. So, speaking of which, so the best for Port Adelaide uh, for the game, as disappointing as it was to finish off the year for them, uh, Lauren Daniels, their best, Jess Evans, Bakara Palmer, Kat Reynolds, and Courtney Fetter also, Fetter, sorry, in there as well. Uh, for the West Adelaide, in their warm-up before their final match, this, um, uni, 
next weekend. Ree Metcalf, the best on ground performance in there in their game back. Jess Foley, Maddie Newman, Rachel Martin, uh, Batley, Jamie Tab, and Hannah uh, Martin also in there. The Martin girls still getting their names on the board. The goals there to Kate Rashid, kick two, and singles to Tab Newman, Foley, and Hannah Martin. So that was it for all she wrote there for Port Adelaide. Um, in they blooded a lot of new players and they've had a few injuries, but hopefully they can build something for next year with only very moderate use of actually some AFLW players. They didn't have Sarah Perkins play, nor Erin Phillips, and um, Jenna McCormick also went back overseas to play soccer. So they lost nearly all their players. It would have been a very, very tough season for them. Also, a team that had a very tough season was Modbury, 1-2-8. They went down to Morfordville Park, which clicked into beast mode, kicking 21-12-138. Yeah, believe it or not, this was actually, I, I got out to um, most of this game here, and it was a very scrappy affair early. And I thought, gee, Modbury, you know, might be in here. They kept getting plenty of the ball, but turnover city, and both teams were a bit fumbly with it. But the Roos were able to just sneak a couple on the board in the first quarter, and I think that basically warmed them up. And then it was all one-way traffic after that with a goal-kicking spree in the third for the Roos, and Modbury's Caitlin T kicking their only major for the Hawks. And they were very happy for her, and she was definitely one of the best. The final quarter was basically played in the Roos 50 because they scored a barrage of points um, and goals, to be fair as the Hawks struggled to, to try and move it outside that actual 50-metre arc. Um, on the downside also for Modbury, uh, Rachel Desiree, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, was injured in the final quarter and they had to stop the game for a while while she was assisted from the ground. So for the Hawks, as mentioned, um, Caitlin Teague was the only one out there and probably named her as uh, one of their best on the day. For the Roos, uh, goals, Caitlin Swanson, a.k.a. Shagger, she lined up with eight big ones. Um, absolutely dominating up forward. Lexia Edwards kicking six. Um, Martin Hagen slotting two with singles two. Georgia Bevan, Esther Bowles, Brown O'Walling, uh, Pyrenees Steiner, Charlotte Dorr. Just keep them all coming. Best on ground, Ange Moritz, um, Swanson, Bevan, Edwards and Van Hagen. So getting a lot of goals out of there in a big 130-point win to the Murphy Roos who will be looking to play an elimination final next week. More about that shortly. Adelaide University, 11-16-82, winners over Salisbury, 3-2-20. Yeah, this is um, sort of surprising. Salisbury's been in the hunt, but with a loss of a heap of players through injury and a few of the AFLW players out, they've had to call up um, players from their B grade and who might have played previous games and then line up again. So the only thing that slowed uni down uh, was their kicking in front of the big sticks, kicking 1-7 in the first quarter. Also, they didn't have their leading goal kicker and the league leading goal kicker, Ruth Wallace, wasn't playing for them, but she should be back for the finals. Salisbury struggled, struggled, sorry, even with the inclusion, <laughs> pardon me, of Chelsea Randall. Uh, as I mentioned, four B-grade players stepping up and they only had one on the bench after half-time and probably could have slotted a few more goals. Not that in the end of the day it would have actually made a huge difference to the final score, but would have been given a bit of reward for effort for Salisbury and maybe not make it look so lopsided. The Adelaide Uni are the only team undefeated at the moment and continue their domination of all teams, with only the Morphy the only team that was actually able to get close to them. 
Baller Adelaide Uni, the goal-kicking spree there. Stacey Richardson kicked two. And the rest were all singles. They had 10 goal-kickers all up with um, Harvey, Radchick, Edward, Baltrop, Fenton, Hatchard, O'Day, Collie and Gum um, getting all on the board there. Best for Adelaide Uni, Jess Edwards, Nicola Burns, Courtney Gummo-Gum, um, Sophie uh, Ninjali, Adele Gibson and Kelly Baltrop. And a lot of those names have been mentioned throughout the year. The Salisbury, goals there to Ash Woodland and Shaley O'Brien. Best on ground for them, Shaley O'Brien, Chelsea Randall, Paige Allen and Kayla Anderson. And also with um, the Allen in there as well, Sarah Allen playing a great game. Let's have a and look. Now at, we're going to start looking at the finals. Yep, let's have a look ahead to the final series. First of all, we head off to Morfordville Parks, Kellett Reserve, 3 p.m. Sunday. This is Morphy Roos versus Salisbury. Yes, so at the home game for the Morphy Roos, they've earned their spot on the ladder there. This one will be an absolutely fascinating game with uh, winner takes all because after, if you lose this one, you are out. So. Interesting ground. Um, I'll tell you what, for this one, the Roos could create an upset here with Salisbury actually being quite dominating, but if they don't get all their players back, I think I could pick the Roos here for an upset at their home ground. Major semi-final is at University Over where Adelaide Uni host West Adelaide. Yes. Now, I believe, and I'm not sure if you have any more information than me, but this, for some reason, and I don't have the explanation for why it might actually be played same time. As the um, the other final, which does not quite make sense to me, but I'll leave to the side of caution there. So University's Westies winner goes off to the GS, and the, so they get a week off. The loser will play the winner of the final of the Rooms and the Salisbury. I'm predicting quite simply here, Adelaide Uni will continue on in their merry way and book themselves a grand final slot. Um, it would be very interesting to see who Westies line up on, which I think could be a Westies Ruse. Um, face off before to see who can get actually into the GF but I think at the, at the all in said and done Adelaide Uni probably go all the way without too much interruption barring some divine intervention Well Ali thank you very much for joining us here on the Girls Play Footy show and we look forward to catching up with you next week to chat about the preliminary final of the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 Excellent, thank you very much for having me Peter Let's check out what's happening in the Tasmanian State League women's competition. It was round 12 over the weekend where Glenorchy 11-11-77 defeated the Tigers just the two behinds. Clarence 16-14-110 Wallet Burney three behinds. So a couple of one-sided results there. Round 13 action is this weekend. Both games on the Sunday at 12pm at Twin Ovals Tigers host Clarence while 1pm at West Park Burney host Launceston. To check out what's happening in the Bond University QWAFL, and I've got on the line our Queensland footy guru in Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Oh, Peter, it's finals footy. Uh, couldn't be any better this time of year. And it served it up for you. Let's focus first on the elimination semi, and wowee, Wilson Grange Gorillas did a number on Coolangatta Tweed. Yeah, they sure did. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, they, they've been a big improver this season, and um, you know, it's all been about their, um, you know, their, their, their bottom sort of half players really making sure that they make up the difference. And, um, you know, they're holding their own out there and, um, their match winners, uh, are, are having really good games from Kate Lutton's again. Um, to our defence down back, um, playing that role really well. Um, assisted by, uh, Hedy Malone as well, key, 
key defender. Um, Charlie Randall played through the middle all day and you know, she had another match winner for him. And Jackie Orson, um, one of the youngsters, had a really good game. But, yeah, they, they, they've, they've come out and um, a pretty even-looking first quarter. And um, from there, Wilson uh, led at the at the change um, at the break and, and kicked away every quarter after that. So, look, it's been a disappointing uh, game for, for Cooley. Um, I mean, season-wise, obviously not the, not the uh, season we hoped for them, but um, yeah, un- un- unfortunately, uh, my girls somewhat disappointed uh, for a lot of them, and 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 um, you know, unfortunately, haven't been able to to back up the premiership. But uh, have have been have been another riddled injury uh, injury riddled season for them. Uh, but you know, a few few good stories out of that. Georgia Brewer, really good sign, and uh, Imogen Milford. So two 16 and 17 year old. Um, respectively, uh, were probably the best two players on the ground, um, followed by Kazla Cooley. But um, Wilson, you know, taking a lot of lot of confidence from from this match. Um, and again, you know, their, their spine is 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 probably one of the best in the comp at the moment. Um, you know, and it's it's uh, can can these other girls keep stepping up to the plate and help out the likes of Lutkins and Randall. Um, you know, their, their tools are as good as any in the competition, I feel. And, um, you know, they've got some good youngsters. And, you know, we really love Jamie Stanton um, in the middle. And she's had a super consistent year um, for them. And her and Courtney Deniak and India Collins are uh, linking up really nice in super midfield. So, um, you know, great work for Wilson. And we to take out for that for them for sure. 10-6-66-2-1-4-10 being the score in the major semi-final. Uh, Cooper Roo, 10-2-62, getting over the line against Yeronga South Brisbane, 7-15-57. Straight kicking is good footy, and it counted here. <laughs> yeah, that look, that pretty much sums it up, to be honest, Peter. I mean, um, you know, you, you have a look at the end scores, and you think, geez, that would have been a really good game. But um, to tell you the truth, I was there for the whole game. Cooper Roo were really in control. Um, right up till about uh, the start of the fourth, um, you know they they looked in control. They were super efficient, moving the footy around the ground. Um, looked really good whenever they went forward. Um, finally, they've uh, they they uh, they know now that Wushner needs to stay in the fifty. Uh, she ended up with five goals for the game, um, and you know in the end was was a match winner for them um, in a lot of respects. But, but yeah, they they were really efficient. Looked looked really sharp. Um, loved the way that they were moving and transitioning the footy, um, you know, across the ground and up and down the ground and switching it out um, to the to the fat side and 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 they looked a class above, um, you know, efficiency wise and of course in front of goal as well. Um, then Yoronga, but uh, well, everyone sort of got the feeling Yoronga had to had to uh, things had to start clicking for them. Um, and the fourth quarter got scarily close. Um, I think. They 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 would have had the last four or five inside fifties of the game. Um, couldn't couldn't get the job done in the end. Obviously, according to the scores, but um, yeah, look, we're shaping up for for a good last two matches. And if you're wrong, we can end up getting over the top of Wilson next week. Um, yeah, it's going to make for a really good game. But really loved how Wushner played inside the fifty there. Um, the only thing I really would have liked to have seen a little bit more um, from Cooperu is is perhaps Tani White pushing into the middle. Um, maybe even doing straight swaps out with Zilke. So Zilke really stood up on the weekend um, through the middle, but I know how much of a, a goal kicker Zilke can be. And I, I know I really like Tani White's work around the clearances, and she's as cool and calm and collective as it comes. So 
Returning to our would have liked to see her used through the middle a little bit more. Um, that's something I feel Cooper might do uh, in the granny. But they're straight through. Um, Yoronga, uh, season not over. Um, you know, the, they, um, Sabrina had a bit of a hard time getting her hands on the footy and was really well held by uh, the Cooper backs, particularly Emma Gibson. Um, yeah, Aishman got lots of footy in around the middle. Virgo had a pretty good game. Would have liked to see her in and around the clearances a little more. Um, Bates, fantastic down back, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was a, yeah, as you said, efficiency paid dividends for Cooper in the end. And uh, the preliminary final is this Saturday, 4.30pm at Leishon Park, Yeronga South Brisbane, host Wilston Grange. Who do you like in this game, Yeronga because they were stung or Wilston because they're coming in of a truckload of confidence? Yeah, look, I, I, I know we talk a lot about that, you know, oh, that this team will be coming off the back of this loss or this match mentally, but, you know, you, you, as a coach, you've really got to get your players up um, in knowing what they're capable of and, you know, irrespective of how the other matches are gone, you, you've got to play the footy, um, you know, to, to the level you know you can do that. And I, I know Yoronga can, can play some really good footy and they've got some fantastic match winners um, amongst that side. Um, look, it'd be hard to see Sabrina having another quiet game. Um, you know, they, they threw in the ruck a bit, threw her down forward. She played down forward quite a bit. I, I'm expecting Sabrina to be a bit of a handful. Um, it'd be interesting to see who goes to her, whether whether they do use Lutkin to nullify her. Um, if that's the case, I'd like to see Sabrina push deep um, and try and t- try and take Lutkin's one out in the square rather than being further up the ground where Lutkin can be dangerous on the rebound. But... Um, oh, it's it's hard to pick who, who I like in this one. I'm going to have to go Yoronga. I think things are going to click for them. Um, but, you know, by no means um, a Wilson out of this game at all. As I said, their spine is as good as any. Um, and I'll probably take their spine over Yoronga at the moment. However, um, you know, Yoronga, the likes of McCarthy and Bates, Virgo, Sabrina, Emma's been having a great season later. And um, you know, they've, they've got their fair share of match winners as well. So... Look, I'm tipping tipping Yoronga to win this one. Um, by margin, can we look? Uh, let's let's go with uh, let's go with under two goals. Yoronga uh, under two goals and Sabrina um, maybe to get two and McCarthy get a couple. Well, Aaron, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. We look forward to catching up with you next week to review the preliminary final and focus on the 2017 Bond University QWAFL Grand Final. As always, Peter, thank you. It's been a pleasure. That wraps things up for yet another week here on Girls Play Footy. Don't forget, you can follow us online by going to Twitter and searching for Girls Play Footy, going to Facebook, that's facebook.com forward slash Girls Play Footy, or check out our website, girlsplayfooty.com, for all the latest women's footy news. Thanks again for your company. I look forward to catching up with you next week. Until then, it's bye for now.